Dumb and Awful. This is Brett. Everyone loves board. I'm Rob at Dumb and Awful. Uh, the show's at Dumb Awful Show. I just want to start off this week with a PSA since this will come out before the Nevada caucus. It will be a shit show. Florida the West. So full disclosure, I did live in Nevada for a little over a year. was stationed there. That was my last base while I was in the Air Force. was in Vegas. But Nevada, it is designed in such a way that it is fucking inexplicable. The math makes no sense. The math is worse than Iowa's caucus math, which already makes no sense. Uh, their tiebreaker is you're pulling suits of cards out of a deck, and that's how they do tiebreakers. Because of Vegas. Yeah, because of Vegas. I mean, uh, terrible for democracy, but what a flourish. Exactly. I mean, so it, 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 every single Nevada caucus has been a shit show. We all seem to collectively forget this. Last one was awful, too. The one before that was terrible. Like, they're all bad. They've all been shit shows. There's always been questions about what the fuck's going on. And that's before there was, like, a very intent focus on what was happening. Even if it just stays the same, it'll be a shit show. And it'll be heightened by the fact that Iowa was a shit show, right? But they did something different this year. They added early voting. And... So a caucus is you're supposed to show up in person. You're standing in this area and go like, I'm voting for Bernie, right? And then if there's not enough Bernie voters, they go, hey, who else are you going to go to choose? Then you go into a different group and they do multiple rounds until there's only a few people or until there's only a few groups left. And then they, they hand out delegates, right? Based off of that. That's how it's supposed to work. So how the fuck do you early vote for a caucus? Well, they give you a ranked choice voting ballot, which is interesting. Um, and you pick your top three choices. You can go to five. You have to do three, but no more than five. This is confusing. If you don't do that, it's gone. Like, all right, fine. Let's assume everybody did that. So you say, I voted for Bernie. And if I don't like anybody else, I do nobody and nobody for two and three. Right? You have to choose nobody and nobody. Otherwise, again, disqualified. So let's say, miracle of miracles, you filled out your ballot properly. You've submitted it. Day of the caucus, what they're going to do is hold on to the ballots and via what was going to be the shadow app, but is now a Google Doc uh, that you're supposed to access on your iPad that the volunteers are only now being trained on this week and do not understand. You Isn't are, the person running the Nevada caucuses a Pete Buttigieg staffer? Oh, the person doing, um, I think it was like election security or some shit like that. Uh, some some very technocratic well, you, bullshit. You, look, they're consultants. They're the experts. Uh, you can't hack a Google Doc. There you go. Never I actually, I actually genuinely, the Google Doc is a better choice than the Shadow app, like for sure. But the fact that you're doing it last minute with volunteers who haven't been properly trained. Eh. And so what the volunteers are supposed to do running the caucus is everybody stands in the place that they want to vote for their person, right? And you go, all right, well, let's say the Pete voters, there's not enough Buttigieg voters or Klobuchar voters or Steyer voters. So you guys all have to move. Before they do that, when they do that, what's called a realignment, they have to go in and check every single early voting ballot for that particular caucus and see what the second choice was and realign all of them. That's going to be a shit show. Even if you had an amazing app built for that, that probably would have gone weirdly the first time you do it uh, with volunteers. The fact that you don't, uh, the volunteers aren't trained and already the caucus math is confusing and if, by the way, if your ballot isn't filled out properly, they don't tell you that. They don't go, they don't send it back to you and go, hey, fix your ballot. They tell the campaigns, hey, tell your people, they put you number one, that they need to fix their ballot. What a weird fucking system. The, the fact that the culinary union did their non-endorsement of candidates Amazing. is actually pretty good for Bernie. And God help me, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, de Blasio being out there. Not terrible for, here's. <laughs> that was so confusing. Will you explain that? Yeah. So Harry Reid runs Nevada, like a character from like Fallout New Vegas. Yes. I like to imagine him as Benny, but he could be yes man. He could be any character. And <laughs> uh, the fan art community agrees with me on that. <laughs> Harry Reid runs that place and it's labyrinthine and weird. It's the Florida of the West, right? Yeah, it makes no fucking sense. And unions, uh, labor, pretty solid there. Recently, yes. So he's always been able to exercise a good amount of control, as has the party, because whoever controls the actual unions and gets them to the caucus locations, some of which are in their work sites at casinos, whoever gets them in is going to have a nice lead. The fact that it seems like maybe that operation was supposed to go to Biden, and maybe it's not necessarily going to Buttigieg now, and they didn't endorse Bernie, but their rank and file 
seem to like him and the poll numbers are right means although it's going to be a clusterfuck it might actually be a only the pete buddha judge people think finger on the scale clusterfuck and not the usual like welcome to vegas baby our candidate is biden yeah. <laughs> and just burly men <laughs> brawny burly men manhandling you out of the <laughs> polling location like like real democrat Oh, and if you were, if anybody who saw the culinary union stuff and they were confused why they hate Bernie so much, or like it's a union, Bernie was literally on the picket line with them. It's union bosses. The reason they didn't endorse anybody was because uh, the rank and file were throwing a fit about them about to fuck Bernie. So they just went, fine, we'll endorse no one. Which, yes, thank you. I do appreciate yeah, that. Union bosses don't like Medicare for all because health benefits is one of the things they can actually offer their members, which in a post Janus world, uh, they need to offer something to their members if they want to keep collecting dues and, and fighting back against you know the fucking Supreme Court, basically. The management of the union, as it were, the union bosses, they don't want to give that up because then they lose a, a bargaining chip. Now, actually, it would be great. It would be fucking great for them to give it up because if you didn't have to fight over health care, you could fight over wages. Like, it's very obvious. But this power. Is, this is one of those things where the, the status quo tends to stay in place. It's even more interesting, too, because this specific union, the culinary union, it has a Taft-Hartley fund, which, without getting into all like the weird legalese behind it, basically I means... I mean, it's dumb and awful. I think the people know about Taft-Hartley. Yeah, of course. Uh, basically means the union delivers employee dollars, employer dollars, to the market through insurance and pension funds, which means if you're at the top, you get clout because all of the big Wall Street investors come to you because you're controlling a lot of money. All the insurance people come to you because you're controlling a lot of money means jobs for your friends and family if you want them because you have all the money, right? All that vanishes under Medicare for All. So your very nice spigot that you've had as union boss, that vanishes and only your members get a far better life. But this is why specifically the Taft-Hartley, the unions with Taft-Hartley funds are extra angry, the union bosses, about Medicare for All. They are specifically going to lose out on money and power as a result of Medicare for All. And they know it. So it's a good sign, basically, to see the not boss levels of the union go like, mm, I don't know about that one. Exactly. Also, another good thing, which is even more surprising, the de Blasio thing. <laughs> yes. So I saw a, a great joke on. I wish I could attribute it to who it was, but I, I forgot. Basically, you know how Bernie, if you're listening to this, you know, like Bernie just doesn't make headlines. Even when he wins, it's like second and third, the place to be. The old joke about Bernie Sanders plummets in the first place. Yeah. Right? He's left out of headlines all the time. So there was a headline on like Politico that said, Bill, Mayor Bill de Blasio uh, endorses 2020 presidential candidate. <laughs> and it was, it was meant to be like the person did not understand how clickbait works. That's amazing. <laughs> right. And so someone quote tweeted it. It was just like, I got to say, this is the one time I'm glad they left Bernie out of the headline. <laughs> But they'd be wrong because Bill de Blasio, apparently, go figure, I guess his dad, cousin, his cousin was like a, a big deal in the Nevada unions. So when he showed up, like <laughs> there's video of Bill de Blasio walking into a room to standing ovation. I literally didn't think a room in this country existed. Even for he that. seemed taken aback. <laughs> like he's looking over his shoulder like, oh, what? Is this a joke? Am I on punk? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> You could just see him transform like, <laughs> oh, appreciation. I've never felt this before. What is this? this is fantastic. I don't know why, but I'm just going to keep shaking hands and hope it lasts. Yeah, apparently his cousin's like a union legend because he helped doing, do the original organizing in Nevada. So like his cousin is actually like a fantastic union person. And de Blasio gets, uh, he's, so he, his endorsement might actually help Bernie. I didn't even think that was possible. I thought any association with de Blasio would kill you. To give you some idea of how much de Blasio's endorsement is normally worth, uh, in 2016, he asked, uh, this came out in emails that the local press here mm -hmm. got through Freedom of Information Law. He was asking Clinton if he could come out and like go canvassing with her campaign, and she said, absolutely not. <laughs> do not come out here. We do not want you affiliated with the campaign. So he got on a plane and went out there as a private citizen and canvassed for her just on his own. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so that was 2016. 
So in 2020, to walk into like a, a Vegas union hall and everyone's like, you're the man. He's got to be living that moment <laughs> up. It's got to be like, damn, I should have gone to Bernie's side ages ago. What uh, the fuck? Uh, had your chance. <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, I actually kind of think those are two good data points where maybe we can expect something good from Nevada. Oh, I think it's chaos, but yeah, yeah. That's all I want to say is I think Bernie actually is crazy well positioned to win now uh, in Nevada. I'm just saying the process will be chaotic. Expect chaos. Don't don't expect a quick evening. Don't expect him to figure it out quickly. I do think Bernie is looking like better and better in Nevada. Like I had no idea it would be this good for him. It looks amazing. Well, it's because we're living up to a great longstanding American tradition, which is running candidates that people of color basically can't vote for. <laughs> There's the Democratic Party. It's been the way through most of American history. It's the way it is now. There's basically one guy, uh, Bernie Sanders. Who else is it going to be? It has to be Tom Bernie. Sire, baby. <laughs> when, he, when he goes to more diverse states, this, who else is going to pick up votes? Exactly. There's a, you're, you're, the Dems are picking between four four different races basically on the center side yeah and and then the two that are going to speak to your material conditions but one got there intellectually because she had to study for a federalist society speech and the other has been talking about your material conditions for the last 30 years for his entire fucking life so yes. there you go okay so we'll see between bloomberg and also the the Buttigieg people running things Buttigieg people running things in general make me a little bit anxious but i think we're in a good position Speaking of Judge staffers, uh, Liz Smith and the the sock puppet account, or maybe not sock puppet account. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, I saw a little bit of this. Can you explain like the background briefly? Liz Smith is a political flack. Uh, she works for the Buttigieg campaign. She's their main media person right now. She arranges a lot of the interviews with the press, stuff like that. And... It came out that there was possibly an account that she was running, right? So people just thought it was her like alt account because there was a post where it literally said, hey guys, this is Liz, and then gave advice to people organizing for Pete. It's an account that was like a Nigerian man who was super into Buttigieg. That's, that's what the account was purported to be. And uh, so people had a lot of fun with the fact that like some political flag for Buttigieg is doing fake accounts from black people in Africa. I would say, and the the little capper on that is, then reporter said, "Oh no, it's not actually Liz's account. We talked to the owner, and it's like, yeah, but it could still be a sock puppet because it's very clearly uh, posting exactly the way she posts at the exact same times that she posts. Like it maps perfectly. So uh, just because it's not her literally doing it doesn't mean it's not a paid account. Yeah, it's it's sort of a a mess. You know, I I don't think it's probably actually her." But it doesn't matter. That's not why I want to talk about this, right? Because, yes, it would be embarrassing um, if you were the comms person for Pete Buttigieg and you got caught running your own sock puppet account, right. right? It happened to Skip Bayless where he's like, another great point, Skip. You're so good at sports analysis. It's happened to Kevin Durant where he's like, I don't know. I think you all should lay off KD. <laughs> it, it, it happens to everyone, right? It, it's Well, not everyone. Happened but. to fucking Mitt Romney. Did it happen to me? Yeah, I've never had, had a, a fake account. I've never had a, a fake account. In, to to self-congratulate? Yeah, no, me either. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> my, my fake account is just the internal monologue I get when I'm posting, which is just like, oh, not this shit again. Like, oh, fucking really? Here we go. Yeah, I hope she sees it <laughs> to myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I bring, I bring this up, and I want to talk about it not because I want to embarrass Liz Smith, because I don't really think this is that embarrassing again, because a lot of people do this. The stakes are very high. She's a media person that does nothing but Twitter yeah. all day for a very long time. This is not the embarrassing Liz Smith thing. She literally sucked former governor and New York attorney general Elliot Spitzer's toes in Jamaica the week he divorced his wife, which was on Christmas after getting caught in a prostitution scandal. That's the same Liz Smith sucking Elliot Spitzer's toes. Normally, that would cause you to re-examine every choice you've you've made in in your life. When you got Elliot Spitzer's mouth around your big toe, you got to really have an existential crisis if you're any sort of normal human. But as the latest uh, Politico profile on her indicates, she's not a normal human. That just made her double down. I guess that was her Rubicon, and now she's just 100% <laughs> 
just I, I'll do anything. I have no fear. She's an actual like psychopath veep character. The 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 real deal, right? Gets no sleep, always hopped up on espresso, cursing constantly, and apparently fucking Elliot Spitzer. It's just every aspect of that personality makes no sense. Came from came from privilege. The sort of person that looks at Veep as aspirational. Oh, absolutely. This is Liz Smith. So why this matters is that Liz Smith, this person, is someone that's very indicative of the way at least one candidate, Pete Buttigieg, uh, will be going about things in the campaign. If you want a reflection of how Pete's presidency might operate, you only need to look at New York, where she spent most of the last decade doing this sort of hardcore flag right. stuff. She represented the IDC, which was the Independent Democratic Caucus. So the Democratic Party took control of the New York State Senate from the Republicans uh, in November 2008. Mm-hmm. It was the first time the Dems had won the New York State Senate since 1964. So when the Dems did get in, a small caucus, the spokesperson for that being Liz Smith, constantly shot down every single Dem proposal if it was not good for the upstate GOP. And by doing that, gave Cuomo clearance to remain electable and make absolutely no progress in the way other states have with any sort of progressive ballot initiative. He didn't have to be the guy to veto. He didn't have to be the guy to sign because if he wanted something through, the IDC would roll over and let it through and he'd sign it. And if he didn't want it on his desk, he would just block it forever by using his pocket Dems. Yeah, the IDC is fucking hated in the state. So for 10 fucking years, the IDC just sat in power until in 2018, another blue wave. This time with actual leftists and socialists. You know what also happened in 2018? Cynthia Nixon. Remember her from Sex in the City? Yeah, she ran for governor. She ran for governor, and she started showing up in the subways with these bright signs that said, Welcome to Cuomo's MTA. She did woman-on-the-street interviews all the time. She was for legalizing marijuana, bail reform, all the social justice initiatives, good on immigration. Right. All of a sudden, Cynthia Nixon is calling out the MTA and the IDC, two things that Cuomo has direct control over. Yep. And and so suddenly the IDC, faced with a progressive challenger, vaporized. They no longer had the support of the governor. And when actual left challengers, led by Cynthia Nixon, made it to the state Senate, they wiped out the lot. They were just being protected by Cuomo for over 10 years so that he could kick out any progressive initiative that would ever come his way in favor of legislation that's basically GOP or proxy corporate interests. And Liz Smith, for a decade, she was there arguing that we need to be more reasonable, arguing that, you know, it's about meeting constituents' needs and that that is exactly what the IDC or Pete Buttigieg is doing. Yeah, the IDC was one of those, like, incredibly evil pieces of uh, Democrat maneuvering that you see in some states where uh, the people supposedly on your side immediately betray you in order to never have to do shit. And then once real progressive showed up, they got fucking demolished, uh, all except like one of them, I want to say, got killed in 2018. They're all out. Thank God. They all got primaried. And a decade of progressive initiatives all of a sudden are making their way through now. Yeah, we almost immediately got uh, way better rental laws where now, especially in New York City, you can't charge. Uh, they were charging like three, four times a month's rent in order for you to move in. They limited all that. And they just recently went, actually, based on our interpretation of this law, you can't even pull this shit where you have some agent charging you five to 10% of rent in order for you to move in. Because that was another aspect of New York City rental law. So they overnight, once progressives got in there, suddenly life got better for regular people. Yeah, that's also why the Pete Buttigieg, Liz Smith message is so pernicious, right? The sort of uh, middle-of-the-road incrementalism that the IDC and Cuomo pushed for so long got us nothing by design. That's how that works. And it wasn't until we actually got a left blue wave when we started actually running people in races they where the Dems don't normally run anybody or yep. fund anybody or where there's no party apparatus. We started running people of color. We started running women, trans people. And turns out we win when we do that. And when we don't win, people like Cynthia Nixon pull the discourse left enough that Andrew Cuomo has to wake up, kill the IDC, pay attention to the trains again, which he's done by adding a bazillion more cops. Not great, but (laughs) that's why I don't let anyone tell you like you need to moderate your opinions. No, you don't. 
We need to pull this country left because it desperately, desperately needs it. And nothing will get done uh, if you can get away with doing nothing. This also puts the lie to vote blue no matter who and gives you a concrete example of why that's a stupid fucking idea. So she probably didn't do the sock puppet account, um, but she does deserve to be ridiculed. So this, I think part of the reason that that popped up and got so popular is because she is reviled in New York by the media here who very much hated the IDC. I got to say, I love the I love the New York media that's like indigenous to New York, right? Like the low tier DNA info, uh, the city uh, patch, all the, the Brooklyn papers, Gotham Gazette. Like these guys are killers and they really know their shit. Yeah, they're the ones who get fucked over every time they try to unionize, but the, they're quite good at their jobs. It was funny with this sock puppet thing. Uh, all of the anchor New York journalists, so the people that make it big elsewhere in D.C. Mm-hmm. or whatever, and then come to New York to sit at a desk and take Ubers, basically. Right. All them, and the Pod Save America boys, are all, Liz Smith, what a great friend. Isn't it ridiculous that, that <laughs> these animals are coming for you? Whereas every single actual like local journalists here was just like get fucked idc (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because you see the same thing happening with bloomberg stuff and it's fascinating because it's the same sort of vibe where bloomberg is utterly fucking reviled in new york state as he should be for many many reasons we can talk about some of them in a minute but it's fun to watch the new york media the actual legit grinded out journalists be like under no fucking circumstances are we signing off approving or assisting this goddamn campaign whereas the dc journalists are like oh boy he gave us money yeah no he's a great guy yeah when even like new york times opinion columnists which it's so rare they deserve credit but (laughs) charles blow was like i can't stand the people around me because they seem to not understand that these policies affected people like me and my kids. Yeah. But it's fascinating to see that, that like weird New York versus DC media or just like, you know, the, the powerful media versus the grinded out actual journalists in this city. I do think that's a big reason why for all that he's trying to blanket the airwaves, even ignoring the Bernie movement, his ability to mobilize people. One of the biggest issues he's kind of constantly have is a huge chunk of the journalist class fucking hates him. Fucking despise him. And it's it's sort of a perfect storm against him. Like Bloomberg is definitely a major threat. Right? Absolutely. He, he, is, he is. Just because of money. Very bad. But the fact that the media class isn't entirely for him. The problem he has with the media class is it's a perfect storm of getting New York media to shit on you because you know what New York and New York media people love? They love having inside information that the rest of the country doesn't have. Yep. They like being plugged into the real deal. They, they like showing that they're more savvy and experienced, you know, as a New Yorker who lived with this for <laughs> three terms, that's right. Three terms. Do you want to know the story of how he got his third term? Because I know it involves Christine Quinn. It's a whole thing. <laughs> right? Like being able to go, this guy's bad because of this and this and this and this. And I'm already an expert on it. And you wouldn't know it. But for me in the New York media environment, that is an addiction that we're not going to be able to break here. And we're probably going to do all the way to the convention. Oh, absolutely. But this is one of the few times where that addiction it's actually helps people. Yeah, it, it, it's for good. It's not just trying to get into a party with Eve Pizer. <laughs> now it's for good. It actually is, too. He's just a monstrous fucking human. Every single policy that he pushed was either useless or harmful. So part of why the New York media, uh, and I have many good reasons to be angry at Bloomberg, but one of them is after eight years of his bullshit, they're like, well, at least it's over now. We have term limits, like there's standards and norms here, and there's the law. And he just went, yeah, I know, but I'm just, I've bought off the city council speaker and they're going to go ahead and change the law so i can do a third term i know i'm a republican i know that no one wants this but i'm going to spend more than any person has ever spent on a new york mayor's race i'm going to blanket it with ad coverage and i'm going to win despite my massive unpopularity in a city where everyone knows i'm unpopular and knows what i'm doing and uh he did that he even did petty stuff like he targeted person specific ads to his opponent's neighborhoods jesus 
What a piece Whereas, of like, shit. nobody likes you. <laughs> He's a real <laughs> psycho. And it worked. He changed the laws. He bought off the speaker. He got in for a third term. And then he changed the laws back so nobody else could he, do three terms. He got... It worked for New York, so why wouldn't it work for the rest of the country? The rest of the country is less media savvy, is what he's thinking. Yep. He spent so much more money on the NY thing. So that's I mean, the fear. It, Bloomberg is clearly evil in fucking every aspect of it. I, I, I feel like this shouldn't be something we have to fight. Every single YouTube thing that comes out, it's going to be every speech he's given that is on YouTube, someone's going to scrub through and find another new horrific thing. And it's going to be nonstop. And I love that. And again, the press learned their lesson before. Like, you got to really go all in. Oh, or yeah. they'll just ignore you and out buy you. And that does seem to be the plan. It the Again, I'm so sick of saying mask off. Everyone is. Like, it, <laughs> you should just, there's like a, a leftist podcast trend line where it's like, here's grifter. <laughs> here's mask off. Here's reading series. <laughs> Yeah, the thing that I keep trying to tell myself, and maybe this will help you guys uh, in the way that it's helped me, this is absolutely the fight we wanted, though. Yes. We didn't want to deal with sort of the, the subtle needling of the media for the next fucking 50 years as four corporations consolidate more and more control over the message, be it internet, TV, radio, whatever. We didn't need that, right? We needed to get to actually identifying who the people that don't give a shit about the lower and middle classes are. We need to figure out who they were. And this election has been very illuminating there, right? It's like when you're doing raids in video games, you could spend most of the time fucking clearing out the trash mobs and little bad guys in the dungeon, and then eventually you get to the big boss. But the big boss is the one you need to yeah. take down in order to have any sort of victory. We speed ran this shit. Yeah, we're there now. We're all very lucky in that we're living through a time where the media is certifiably frightened. Chris Matthews is weeping on TV. <laughs> the, the, the pod boys are all just like, it has to stop. <laughs> Leave Liz alone. I don't even know what I do when I'm sitting on boards. Help. It's amazing. So this is, an this is an opportunity. This is great. Everyone wants to be alive in interesting times, right? Uh, this is it. You don't have to fucking jerk off to books about the sewer socialists or read about the NEP for 12 hours a day. Now you can actually engage in a bit of history right now. And it's not even going that badly. It's not. This is going as well as it ever has in this country. Genuinely the best it's ever gone. The press remind me of like this thing in poker that'll happen sometimes mm -hmm. where, you know, you'll be sat across from someone and you know, they know all the math. They're a great player. Like they, catch them online they'll grind out 16 tables at a time it's no problem right mm -hmm. and that's sort of how the the media used to be right they know all the moves they can sort of keep control of the pot and make sure things don't get too out of hand but their chips keep accumulating right what happens with some of those people especially online though is they know all that up here but once they feel like threatened or excited they just shake it doesn't matter how smart they are they get to the poker table and they have to check their cards and lift their chips and their fingers tremble so hard. They're terrified because this is the moment where everyone is actually looking at them and trying to get a real read. <laughs> that doesn't happen at home, right? And that doesn't happen when you're just going through the math on your own time. But once it's actually time, you got someone sat across from you pushing chips in your direction. doesn't matter how good you were at it. You got to actually fucking figure out something now and yep. right now and take a stand and that's going to come with consequences for good or ill and this is something that the dnc of the media class clearly are not equipped they, th those muscles have emaciated so long ago <laughs> that they just you could tell they're just freaking out they don't know how to deal with the emergence of a actual left movement in america and one that operates in media channels that not only uh doesn't in include them but doesn't really want them yeah, nobody wants no desire to interact with them. Nobody wants to hear what Jake Tapper has to say. Not at all. It's a, it's a very exciting time to actually move the ball and try to get some progress. And again, like you said, with the media being as obvious as they are, it makes it easier to convince people. Yeah. The, the dude we're supporting has been trying to do this shit for 30 years. This is the most excited and happy he's ever been. And I'm going to go ahead and read that guy and say if he's vibing, things are probably going pretty well. 
because he's been fighting and running into a brick wall forever. So things to hope for. And if you're curious uh, what these newly persuadable with the way the media has been acting uh, voters, if, if you're curious what they're like, these people that ideally we'd reach with our message, why don't we take a look at uh, the diary of a lib as today's <laughs> reading series. <laughs> All right, Brett. So what we're going to end with here is uh, terrible. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. This is real bad. I picked this. Just because, uh, look, I, I look at a lot of real dog shit on the internet, and this is, this is something. This is one of those situations where you think you have a grasp on how bad it is early on, and then it just keeps moving. It, it, it's a sniper taking shots at your psyche and then relocating after every single one. <laughs> Not even really hitting you, just like really confusing the situation <laughs> it's by uh carolyn borisenko so more slavic valor here it, it's an article that is entitled after attending a trump rally i realize democrats are not ready for 2020 all right Subheadline: i've been a democrat for 20 years but this experience made me realize how out of touch my party is with the country at large i mean i'm on board so far just the title I went to a Trump rally, and that made me realize Dems are not ready for 2020. Uh, I mean, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, we're, we're not. It, it shouldn't take a Trump rally for you to figure that the fuck out, but okay. So here, here we fucking go. Do you understand? <laughs> this is so bad. I am, in general, against reading oh. series. I don't, I don't like hearing other people do them because <laughs> I could just read the book if I wanted to. I don't like hearing myself do them. You're a psychopath if you like hearing yourself read, I think. Yeah, no, that's... That's full on. I hate it in second grade. I hate it now. When that Kanye... There was that story about Kanye having people over to... I was about to say apartment because I have poor dad mindset. <laughs> but yeah, Kanye is in his flat. Uh, Kanye is at his estate, and when people come over, he just plays his own music. We tried that one time by accident because there was like a there was a particular like riff or wordplay or pun or something you did in one of our podcasts. And we tried, we tried to like go back and show your friend and just scanning through oh, the yeah. podcast <laughs> and getting these like four second chunks of like, well, yeah, the, uh, the thing about Republican, it was awful. <laughs> I've had teeth pulled and that is significantly more painful. So <laughs> Yeah, so so with the understanding that I think if you love the sound of your own voice, that's basically uh, the psychopath test, which also, by the way, explains many of the podcasts that you might listen to. <laughs> My God, it does. Uh, and also speaking of psychopaths, part of me thinks that like maybe Nick Mullen wrote this. Like when he used to write fake articles, <laughs> this is so... Okay, I'm just going to... Yeah, that's a liar, yeah. I'm going to get into this, but just know I do this uh for all of you not to make your <laughs> life better but to hurt you because people hurt me so <laughs> here we go if you had told me three years ago that i would ever attend a donald trump rally i would have laughed and assured you that was never going to happen heck if you told me i would do it three months ago i probably would have done the same thing so how did i find myself among eleven thousand plus trump supporters in manchester new hampshire believe it or not it all started with knitting why is this written like a sophomore English class story? I can answer that. This person's an absolute dumbass. What the uh, fuck? You might not think of the knitting world as a particularly political community, but you'd be wrong. Many knitters are active in what? social justice communities and love to discuss the revolutionary role knitters have played in our culture. I, <laughs> I started noticing this about a year ago, particularly on Instagram. I knit as a way to relax and escape the drama of real life, not to further engage with it. Sure. I, I hate the drama of a fascist so, president. So to be clear, you know, I was lost on the first bit, but now that somehow they're going to make a connection between knitting and Trump, uh, I'm a little more intrigued. Oh, well, you'll pay for that. <laughs> I knit as a way to relax and escape the drama of real life, not to further engage with it. But it was impossible to ignore after roving gangs of online social justice warriors started going after anyone in the <laughs> knitting community who was not lockstep in their ideology. Roving 
knitting gangs. Knitting online. stars on Instagram were bullied and mobbed by hundreds of people for seemingly innocuous offenses. First, they came for the Instagram knitting stars, <laughs> and I said nothing. So this is a rich white lady, right? This is someone where I'm not going to give you biographical details. I thought I'd give more bio because the author bio is on the article, right? I thought yeah. I'd give more, but that spoils some of the fun. <laughs> because okay. once you see that, you're like, okay, we're going much deeper than I thought, right? <laughs> well, it, we're already into knitting. It, so. It's like you're on some island in the Pacific and they have submarine rides and you're like oh this will be fun maybe go down like 15 feet and uh take a look at the tropical fish and then there's like a four hour safety presentation <laughs> it, it's not going to be good when you're down there but you're a little bit more prepared you know all right all right this is a very large submarine is what her bio <laughs> it was impossible to ignore after roving gangs of online social justice warriors started going after anyone in the knitting community who is not lockstep in their ideology. Knitting stars on Instagram were bullied and mobbed by hundreds of people for seemingly innocuous offenses. One man got mobbed so badly that he had a nervous breakdown and was admitted to the hospital on suicide watch. Many things were not right about the hatred, and witnessing the vitriol coming from those I had aligned myself with politically was a massive wake-up call. I was borderline uh, when Trump was talking about building the wall, but if I can't say... <laughs> at my knitting circle <laughs> you see i was one of those democrats who considered anyone who voted for trump a racist i thought they were horrible yes even deplorable and worked very hard to eliminate their voices from my spaces by unfriending or blocking people who spoke about their support of him however minor their comments i watched a lot of msnbc was convinced that everything he had done was horrible and that he hated anyone who wasn't a straight white man and that he had no redeeming qualities. When I witnessed the amount of hate coming from the left in this small niche knitting community, yep, I started sure. to question everything. I started making a proactive effort to break my echo chamber by listening to voices I thought I would disagree with. I wanted to understand their perspective, believing it would confirm that they were filled with hate for anyone who wasn't like them. Okay, two things there. Uh, number one, I've decided to break my echo chamber by listening to voices I thought I would disagree with. Uh, the voices you decided to go in search of? Trump supporters. No, <laughs> no real black or brown people or women, just, just MAGA dudes. No, no, why are white people disagreeing with me? I'm just, you know, I like knitting, but now I like Seb Gorka. I'm horrible. <laughs> so anyway... I wanted to confirm that they're filled with hate for anyone who doesn't like them. That turned out to not be the case. The more voices outside the left that I listened to, the more I realized that these were not bad people. They were not racists, Nazis, or white supremacists. We had differences of opinion on social and economic issues. Giant alarm bells. But a difference of opinion does not make your opponent inherently evil. They thought we should murder all black and brown people, and I thought we should just arrest them all. It's really just apples and oranges here, Heinrich guys. Himmler had a lot of uh, different ideas than I did when it came to social and economic issues, but just because we differed on some of his policies doesn't make him inherently evil. <laughs> you don't know his heart. <laughs> also, giant alarms anytime someone who says they, they watch a lot of MSNBC and they refer to it as the left. And who the fuck are you talking about? They could justify their opinions using arguments rather than the shouting and ranting I saw coming from my side of the aisle. That kind of checks out if you say you've only been watching MSNBC. Yes. Because then you're just watching Rahm Emanuel and James Carville shout at each other from across Joanne Reed. If that is your political awareness, then yeah, shouting and ranting is probably a fair assessment of the left. But my God, they could justify their opinions using arguments for the Trump right is... Unless this article is about to hit a chunk on phrenology, I sincerely <laughs> doubt the, love. The, the technical and argumentative prowess of uh, the Trump rally. I started to discover, or perhaps rediscover, the hashtag walkaway movement. I had heard about hashtag walkaway when MSNBC told me it was fake and a bunch of Russian bots. But then I started to meet real people who had been Democrats and made the decision to leave because they could not stand the way the left was behaving. I watched town halls they held with different minority communities, and I saw sane, rational discussion from people of all different races, backgrounds, orientations, and experiences. I joined the Facebook group for the community and saw stories popping up daily of people sharing why they're leaving the Democratic Party. This wasn't fake. 
These people are not Russian bots. Moreover, it felt like a breath of fresh air. There was not some universal agreement in this group. Some were Trump supporters, some weren't. But they talked and shared their perspective without shouting or rage or trying to cancel each other. All the different races, Polish, Scottish, Welsh, French, German even, all the different races got together to agree. The Polish thing would be speciesist, not racism. Ah, shit, my bad. They're technically eukaryotic. (laughs) (laughs) I also appreciate that MSNBC being so full of shit actually helped her believe the right wing because MSNBC is so fucking deep into peddling Russian conspiracy theories that are demonstrably fake that it takes three seconds to be like, damn, maybe they've been lying to me. Like, yes, correct. That doesn't mean the right wing is right. There's something going on here. This person talks about all their new friends and connections the way I talked about my Canadian girlfriend in the 11th grade. (laughs) Like, whether or not that's true or or false, there's a bigger problem not being addressed. I always thought it was sad when I was younger when people would say, like, they have all these friends and they're all online. But there's something deeply upsetting when it's in a middle-aged woman saying things like that. I just want to get a a time machine so I can go back to every boomer parent that was just like, what are you doing holding up the phone line with that modem there? You know, I, 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 what if someone's (laughs) trying to call? It's like, well, I'm talking to all my friends online. I'm I'm in a a chat room about, you know, international affairs because I'll never have sex. I'm literally wrong. (laughs) (laughs) My dad's like, oh, come on. What are you wasting time with your online? You don't have online friends. That's just computer stuff. Cut to hour 16 of posting on facebook knitting groups <laughs> none of your family will talk to you you're like actually these are my new brothers <laughs> i started to question everything how many stories had i been sold that weren't true what if my perception of the other side is wrong how is it possible that half the country is overtly racist is it possible that trump derangement syndrome is a real thing and had i been suffering from it for the past three years the biggest question of all was this Did I hate Trump so much that I wanted to see my country fail just to spite him and everyone who voted for him? I'm going to run that back. And the biggest question of all was this. Did I hate Trump so much that I wanted to see my country fail just to spite him and everyone who voted for him? That means that she sees electing Trump as the success condition, that he is going to take care of the country, but she just hates him, right? Does she, she's saying here, do I hate him so much I'm willing to go away from the success condition of him and let the country fail with one of the Dem candidates. I love the assumption in there, by the way, that country failing won't affect her. Uh, there's, there's privilege right there, baby. Fast forward to the New Hampshire primary, and we have all the politicians running around the state making their case. I've seen almost every Democratic candidate in person and noticed that their messages were almost universally one of doom and gloom not only focusing on the obvious disagreements with Donald Trump, but also making sure to emphasize that the country is a horribly racist place. Correct. Yeah. Fundamentally correct. The The, first time the Dems have been right on that front. This is the focusing on the doom and gloom is because there's a lot of doom and gloom going around for people who don't get their politics from a knitting circle. By the way, the question of who is the uh, Cory Booker's message on we should all love each other for, it was for this lady. It was literally this lady who went like, I know things are bad, but I want you to say it in a nice way. This woman. Yeah, I mean, I think that checks out. Damn it, Cory, you should have stayed in the race. I mean, no, fuck off for sure. (laughs) It doesn't have to be one thing or the other. (laughs) Corey's just a, a much more fun, weird Democrat than the ones that are left. That's yeah, all. Yeah, but no wish that you have should involve this woman's political preferences. <laughs> That's true. I don't want a genie to pop up <laughs> and I go, oh, what the fuck does... <laughs> what does the dumbest person from Ukraine think about this? <laughs> and if my uncle's not available, I'll get her again. <laughs> Just kidding. My uncle's a true pole. Now, I do believe there are very real issues when it comes to race that we as a society have yet to reckon with. All right. Here's the I'm not racist, but I believe that everyone from every background of every gender should have equal access to opportunities. God, I love that access there and opportunity, is. baby. And that no one is inherently more or less valuable or worthy than anyone else. And while the 2017 protests in Charlottesville, Virginia, led to a tragedy precipitated by real racists and real Nazis and real white supremacists, I started to see that those labels simply don't apply to most people who support Trump. (laughs) Here's what I think is going on here, or here's what appears to be going on. 
she is either disingenuously or just total empty brain looking at the Charlottesville Nazis and going, well, we share all of the same policy goals and general apathy or antipathy for social justice and racial justice, but I'm not a Nazi and they're Nazis. I started to see that those labels simply don't apply to most people who support Trump. She likes the policies. She just doesn't like the, the racist label. Yeah, she's got to give herself permission to be friends with these people. Yeah, and so she needs to say that, okay, well, they're not Nazis because um, I'm not a Nazi. I like policies that white supremacists like, but I'm not a white supremacist. I go to the rallies that white supremacists go to, but I'm not a white supremacist. I did enjoy the I'm not racist, but I am friends with a lot of people you'd call racist. With all of this, I was still reticent to even consider attending a Trump event. I do not believe that Trump's attitude is worthy of the highest office in the land. I abhor his Twitter. I am vehemently opposed to so many of his policies, but still, I uh, wanted to see uh, for name myself. Name some of them. Uh, name, name those policies. Let's roll that back, because so far what I've gotten is uh, concern about the way, the fact that you lead with concerns about the way he comports himself tells me that you don't actually disagree with that many of the policies, and the ones you do disagree with don't materially affect you. Anyone, if you're like, oh, what's your problem with Donald Trump? If tweeting comes up in the top three, I'm being generous here. You can write that person entirely off. Oh, for sure. They they know what they want. They just will never say it to you out front. So they're communicating all the information you need by saying, well, I don't think a president should tweet that way, as opposed to fucking extra ju judicial strikes on people. God. Especially if they lead with the words access and opportunity. Yeah, those people are monsters. I'm not going to lie. I was nervous, so I thought I would start my day in familiar territory at an MSNBC live show that was taking place a few blocks <laughs> away from the rally. So she went to Jesus fucking I decided Christ. to wear my red hat that looks like a Trump hat, oh. but with one small difference. It says, make speech free again, as my small protest against cancel culture. So you're just identifying as an obnoxious libertarian. Cool. I even got a photo with MSNBC host Ari Melber while I was wearing it, just for kicks. <laughs> This is the fucked fuck up. What is wrong with this person? <laughs> this is so fucked up. Jesus Christ. Oh, the funny thing about the hat is that it's completely open to interpretation. No, it isn't. No, no, it isn't. No, it's clearly not. This is really like a girl boss signed my long knife moment. <laughs> Speaking of girl bosses, I'd like to have signed my long knife, Elizabeth Holmes. Oh. <laughs> uh. She's in a relationship. We're all rooting for her. The funny thing about that hat is that it's completely open to interpretation. When I wear it around left-leaning people, they think I'm talking about the right. No, they don't. They think you're an asshole. Yep. When I wear it around right-leaning folks, they think I'm talking about the left. <laughs> it's a stark reminder of how much our own perspectives and biases play into how we view the world. You didn't know about politics until you got canceled on your knitting circle. And then you blocked everyone on Facebook and went to Ari Melber's live taping with a red MAGA hat, and then to a Trump rally. In chatting with the folks at the taping, I casually said that I was thinking about going over the Trump rally. The first reaction they had was a genuine fear for my safety. I had never seen people I didn't know so passionately urge me to avoid all those people. One woman told me that those people were the lowest of the low. Another man told me that he had gone to one of Trump's rallies in the past and been the target of harassment. By large muscle-bound men. That's what it says. <laughs> it's just the guys throwing barrels, right? They're just throw, throwing barrels back and forth. And you're like, hi, my name's Kayla. She, her. And they're like, no! <laughs> I just... Uh... Yeah, one of the large muscle-bound men, uh, he put his giant like football player hands on my shoulders. And I, it was like I was pinned to the earth. And then another guy pulled up my shirt and blew on my stomach. And he, he said, no pronouns here. And this woman's like, okay, I don't really need to know that. Yeah. And then they lift me up over their head and spun me around. <laughs> and they said, look at you, you tiny boy. You probably don't even know how trickle-down economics work. And I was so embarrassed. <laughs> uh, all right, buddy. I'm wearing a, a, a red free speech MAGA hat and an Ari Melber taping. But somehow you seem the most unhinged person. <laughs> Don't worry, it, it really starts to go off the rails here. What they didn't know is they weren't the only ones I had heard from who were afraid. Some of my more right-leaning friends online expressed genuine fear at my going, but not because they were afraid of the attendees. They were afraid of people on the left violently attacking attendees. 
This was one day after a man had run his car through a Republican voter registration tent in Florida, and there was a genuine fear that there would be a repeat or that Antifa would bust people up from Boston for it. Just as I had assured those on the left, I told them I thought I'd be fine because we don't really have Antifa in New Hampshire. Chris, me and the Antifa boys are going up to New Hampshire. <laughs> Ricky, yeah, no, bring your hockey stick. We're going to go teach them about pronouns. <laughs> no, they're not tolerant at all. No, that's what I said. Yeah, get on the bus. We're going to New Hampshire. <laughs> so I headed over an hour and a half before the doors were scheduled to open, which was four hours before Trump was set to take the stage, and the line already stretched a mile away from the entrance to the arena. No, it didn't. As I waited, I chatted with the <laughs> folks around me, and contrary to all the fears expressed, they were so nice. I was not harassed or intimidated, and I was never in fear of my safety for even a moment. These were average, everyday people. They were veterans, school teachers, and small business owners who had come from all over the place for the thrill of attending this rally. They were upbeat and excited. In chatting, I even let slip that I was a Democrat. Their reaction, good for you. Welcome. Once we got inside, the atmosphere was jubilant. Yeah, because you used to have to go to fucking Nuremberg for this shit. It was more like attending a <laughs> rock concert than a political rally. People were genuinely enjoying themselves. Some were even dancing to music being played over the loudspeakers. Wow. This is wild. It was so different than any other political event I had ever attended. Even the energy around Barack Obama in 08 didn't feel like this. I just, I just hate the idea that like one of the premises is that you know, oh, the, the right's really having fun. Uh, look at this. I, I was just a boring lib, but these, these right-wing Trump people really know how to cut loose. They've got amplified music and even dancing at the rallies. <laughs> Log on to left Twitter for like one second, and it's all just like, I bet Marx would come harder if he took poppers. I know I do. Anyway, <laughs> off to the drag show. Like, <laughs> it, it, That's too much fun, Rob. If you're, looking, <laughs> if you're looking to have a good time, I'm just saying... It, DSA fundraisers aren't horrible, despite what you would think. They're certainly better than Trump rallies. Yeah, well, the lowest of bars, but yes. I had attended an event with all the Democratic contenders just two days prior in exactly the same arena, and the contrast was stark. First, Trump completely filled the arena all the way up to the top. No, he didn't. Even with, major, even with every major Democratic candidate in attendance the other night and the campaigns giving away free tickets, the Democrats did not do that. With Trump... Every single person was unified around a singular goal. With Democrats, the audience booed over candidates they didn't like and got into literal shouting matches with each other. With Trump, there was a genuinely optimistic view of the future. With the Democrats, it was doom and gloom. With Trump, there was a genuine feeling of pride at being She's an American. Doing this? What the with fuck? the Democrats, <laughs> oh they emphasized that the country was a racist place from top to bottom. The undercurrent here is she's about to say, these are my people. Yeah. I can feel it. I can feel her thinking, these are my people, and having no awareness of what that fucking means for a white lady wearing a red hat who used to be a lib to go to a Trump rally and go, these are more my people. Yeah, because they're just as racist and shitty as you. This person thought that their lib knitting circle got too radical. <laughs> Now, Trump is always going to present the best case he can, and yes, he lies, this is provable, but the strength of this rally wasn't about the facts and figures. A second ago, you just said that these are the people finally hitting me with facts and figures, not just emotion or yelling. She's full in now. But the strength of this rally wasn't about the facts and figures. It was a group of people who felt like they had someone in their corner who would fight for them. Some people say, well, obviously they're having a great time. They're in a cult. I don't think that's true. The reality is that many people I spoke to do disagree with Trump on things. They don't always like his attitude. They wish he wouldn't tweet so much. People who are in cults don't question their leaders. Okay. The people I spoke with <laughs> did, but the pros in their eyes far outweighed the cons. They don't love him because they think he's perfect. They love him despite his flaws because they believe he has their back. I don't think that's wrong. Um, he does have their back and he is fighting for them because they're racist white supremacists. If you're at a Trump rally, that's who's there. And in the same way, if she was a leftist, she would get this feeling from Bernie. It feels great to have a politician where you aren't constantly triangulating off of their triangulations, off of their uh, HFA consultants triangulations, off of their internal polling number triangulations, right? It's nice to just have someone you're like, that guy's a fighter. He believes in pretty much all the same shit I do. Go get him. But that isn't the fighter that she envisions. She wants a fighter for her which is someone that just tells everyone to fuck off so we can knit without the politics coming in again. I just want to fight her for my people. You know, 
my people. Yeah, well, that's why she's finding this so appealing, I think. As I left the rally, walking past thousands of people who are watching it on a giant monitor outside the arena because they couldn't get in, I knew there was no way Trump would lose in November. Absolutely no way. I truly believe that it doesn't matter who the Democrats nominate, Trump is going to trounce them. If you don't believe me, attend one of his rallies and see for yourself. Don't worry, they really won't hurt you. <laughs> so you pretty much think you got your grip on this article. Yeah, at this point. I feel like I'll it. just read the next sentence. Today, I voted in the New Hampshire Democratic primary for Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> oh, I love when people tell on themselves. That's so good. <laughs> I genuinely feel that Pete would be great for this country, and maybe he'll have his opportunity in the future. But tomorrow, I'll be changing my voter registration from Democrat to Independent. Walking away from the party I've spent the past 20 years in to sit in the middle for a while. There are extremes in both parties that I am in uncomfortable with, but I also fundamentally believe that most people on both sides are good, decent human beings who want the best for the country and have dramatic disagreements on how to get there. That was honestly, she's not wrong. That was what the Civil War was about, only slavery. God. And they were great people on both sides, and they just disagreed on one thing. It didn't mean they were evil or bad. They're decent human beings. She's literally ending on both sides. But <laughs> She continues, but until we start seeing each other as human beings, um, there will be no bridging the divide. I refuse to be part of the divisiveness any longer. I refuse to hate people. I don't know, simply because they choose to vote for someone else. Uh, hating people you don't really know because they choose to come from another place on the globe, that apparently acceptable, didn't break the bubble. Uh, if we're going to heal the country, we have to start taking steps toward one another rather than away. I think the Dems have an ass kicking coming to them in November, and I think most of them will be utterly shocked when it happens because they're existing in an echo chamber that's not reflective of the broader reality. I hope it's a wake-up call that causes them to take a long look in the mirror and ask themselves how they got here. Maybe then they'll start listening. I tend to doubt it, but I can hope. It was written by Carlin Borsenko, bio organizational psychologist author coach speaker forbes contributor beer oh snob God. compulsive knitter accidental political commentator <laughs> uh i can tell you there are 791 comments beneath and i will not be clicking that A lot bar of support for this article i bet i i have synesthesia but only for comment sections. <laughs> I don't even have to click it because I already, I can hear it. I can smell it. <laughs> I taste just the, the Venezuela God. comments coming up. It's real bad. Anyway, I just wanted to share that with you because sometimes I, I forget what we're dealing with, you know, and, and big picture. I genuinely don't know what to think about this person. Like, their bio makes it seem like they might just be an insufferable, genuine lib that just lives in a bubble and they're chasing their material interests but using the most diluted sort of self-mythologizing mm -hmm. along the way to not feel any real guilt or examine any real privilege. Could be that. Could also be this is just rat fuckery. You know, this is just done by some GOP person or Liz Smith, right? going and putting out <laughs> Dems need to get on board. Cause, cause even the knitters are coming around to Pete Buddha judge. If they don't have a better option, you're like, yeah, it's, I honestly, I think it's somebody who's always been conservative, but the status quo benefited them. So there's no reason to worry about it. And if you identify as Democrat, like we always talk about, it allows you to feel like the, the most moral person in the room. And now suddenly that you are going to actually have to pick a side with policy because status quo no longer exists. Uh, yeah, well, fuck it. Then I'm going to go ahead and align with the people who actually believe the things I believe. Quite frankly, yes, please get the fuck out of the Democratic Party. Please go mask off. It makes things a lot easier if we all know you're not pretending to be our allies anymore. Thank you. Fuck right off. All right. I think that's enough of that. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. This has been Brett Rillin on the Sport. That was Robert Dumb and Awful. The show count is at Dumb Awful Show. Check out the Patreon for bonus episodes. Uh, come in the Discord if you want to chat with us uh, or just hang out and bullshit. And tune in Saturday when Rob does some self-harm and streams himself watching all of the Bloomberg commercials. I think there's like 183 of them back to back before we end up talking about the caucus results for Nevada. All right, y'all. Have a good one. <laughs>